Yeah, when I was a kid, I used to listen to those guys. Where are they now? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I heard one of them uh, died from an overdose. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that would not be. <laughs> He's on his seventh or eighth marriage. I tell you, fame, fame does things to people. everyone and welcome to the Tidewad Tech episode 96 if you build it part 2 recorded April 23rd 2012 and brought to you by Element OP Productions elementop.com this week we're going to continue with our series of if you build it uh, shows we don't know how many there will be we know there will be at least two uh, just to refresh your memory, this all started with a uh, a listener comment. The, basically, the question was, what would you do to build a tightwad tech department at your school or your business from the ground up? You walk in on day one, uh, maybe they don't have anything, or maybe you've got a mess to clean up. What do you do? So we're going to just break this out into uh, a series of shows. This is part two of that. And uh, my name is Mark, and with me, as always, is Mr. Sean Keibel. Hey, Sean. Hey, everybody. Good to be here as usual. Welcome back, brother. Yeah, yeah. Good to be back. Good. Yes. Uh, good to uh, not be uh, fat bloated on my seventh marriage. <laughs> <laughs> was that pre-show? That was pre-show. That, that was, we said that, that, was, was, yeah. <laughs> that Wayne's World line was it when I'm, uh, will you love me when I'm in my uh, Ravi, hanging out with Ravi Shankar phase, something yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, uh, I, I I love the idea for this show. Uh, it's certainly time that we did something like this. And uh, yeah, we're just going to do it until we feel like we've really covered the topic well. So if that's, it's I don't think it's going to be two episodes, but you know, it may be as many as four or five. Who knows? Yeah, and and we'll see. And uh, Sean, we have somebody cool lined up next week, right? Who who is that? Uh, well. Uh, Maybe not next week, although I am working on something for next week, uh, which would be a really cool guest too. But um, the seventh, so I think that's two weeks from now, two Mondays from now, right? Uh, we have a guest from the National Christina Foundation. And uh, so somebody, one of our listeners had uh, thrown the idea at me that uh, they remembered us doing a show about uh, a charity that took old computers and, you know, refurbished them and turned them around to needy people and, uh, you know, wondered if we could do another show like that. And uh, so, yeah, uh, I went out looking and uh, the National Christina Foundation, this is, uh, yeah, I mean, basically as big as it gets uh, on this topic. I mean, they're, they're huge. Uh, they do this nationwide and uh, they do really great things. So we're going to have the actual CEO, the guy who started it all. Uh, on the show that's great that uh first one was the denver tech for all group uh it was uh uh rose and her friend pete who helps her out pete uh, a regular listener and uh guy hangs out in the chat room with us so yeah just a little yeah, shout out there they're doing uh great things uh so uh, as many of these as that we can spotlight i mean that's great you right. know and, and it, what really surprises me is, you know, they're willing to take even the stuff that we won't use <laughs> and try and turn it around, do something with it. So, uh, you know, th there's always a use. I, I just, uh, I wonder, you know, how far you can go before a computer is just absolutely unusable. 
well you know at some point you can strip out the precious metals for it and melt it down so there's uh it has a life cycle that goes way beyond uh what we consider useful right right so i just wanted to uh uh relay a little story and and my my headline for this in the notes was sometimes you just gotta bend over um uh earlier you were going with this yeah uh, uh earlier today and uh yesterday as well i was working on doing some upgrades to the website uh the the element op website that runs on a drupal and um there were, uh, you know, a series of plugins. If you've ever used Drupal, uh, Drupal itself is very, uh, very basic and everything is done through plugins. And so all those plugins have to be updated on their own. Uh, so I did, I did what every good tech does. I backed everything up, which took a while. We've got about, uh, 27 or 28 gigs of data that that backup ended up being once it was all zipped up. So oh, I had to, uh, so I had to back it up and I had to download it. So that took a while. So I got everything ready, and then I started doing um, the uh, the updates. And it's not unexpected. One of the updates broke the site. You know, you don't you you hope that doesn't happen, but it's not exactly unexpected at the same time. So um, one of the site, one of the plugins broke the site, and there's really no way to go back once that happens. But it was like, you know, hey, no, I was prepared for this. I made a backup. I backed up all the SQL databases. I backed up all the site. I'm good to go. So uh, I, you know, first tried to see what I could do to fix it. I tried to see if I could uh, uninstall or reinstall that particular plugin or, or back up a little bit. And finally, I just, I couldn't get anywhere and decided that the, my only choice was to restore from a backup. So I double clicked on my um, backup file and the zip was corrupted that's no good no yeah uh so i thought well maybe i'll just uh, i had multiple backups it's like i'm just gonna pull the sql database i'm just gonna pull that uh and i'm gonna go into the you know like the php my admin that's on the on the the panel there and i'm just gonna overwrite the database with the copy that i had that worked um the upload limit on that was 50 megabytes and the database was 57 megabytes. <laughs> uh, so I, I was stuck. And, and so then I go into the, uh, the management there on, on our uh, hosting company. And uh, there was an option there right there in their control panel to restore uh, files or restore databases or, or whatever. Uh, so I clicked that button and it logged, uh, went through, walked me through the step. Click, click, click. Do this, do this, do this. All right, click restore. Then a thing pops up. To do that, you need to upgrade to our pro account for thirteen ninety five a year. Click here to continue. And so, yeah, it's one of those things where I was, I was literally over a barrel. No, I was figuratively over a barrel. There was nothing I could do. I had backups. I had done my due diligence. I had done everything right, but my backups were useless because I couldn't get them up to. They had orchestrated things in such a way that the backups wouldn't do me any good. They had set their limits so low on uploads that I couldn't upload the database that I had just backed up. So sometimes you just got to bend over. So I whipped out my credit card, I paid for the pro service, and I clicked the restore button, and everything's back up. So I say that to say, if you made any um, forum posts or, uh, or did anything on our site on April the 22nd or 23rd, that probably went away. And you have to uh, the, 
it's you're gonna have to go back and redo that uh otherwise everything's fine we lost you know uh maybe 36 hours of of activity and that's it but um you know, it is what it is. I, I yeah. you, you make your backups, you hope for the best, but then sometimes it still bites you. <laughs> well, uh, that that reminds me that I'm going to throw this out there again because we are doing our Bacon Madness bracket. So uh, if for some reason you made a, made a post during that time, please go back in and do that. We, we want to get as many of those as possible so we can fill that bracket in. I don't know. It, you know, I'm thinking it's probably going to be like eight or 16 uh, right. items. Uh, I, you know, I'll fill it in with any obvious ones that just, you know, nobody went on there and posted, but, uh, get on there and, uh, nominate your favorite bacon product and, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll get it worked into the bracket. And then, uh, once we get the bracket set after May 1st, we'll, uh, we'll open that up to uh, voting. We'll have a, a weekly voting round each week and, uh, we'll whittle it down to, uh, what our favorite, uh, bacon related product is i guess so like our own little element op reality show who gets voted off this week right right so uh so yeah should be fun uh uh okay i'm gonna jump in here with uh, i didn't have a warm-up item and then i thought about it yes i do you know i just didn't put enough thought into it mark yesterday i went out and did my first ever mud run how'd that go uh i'm i'm in pain <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me tell you, if you've never done one of these, this one that I did was the one uh, to do because uh, there's several of them that go by different names and they travel all around the country and do these things throughout the year. Um, what I did was the Warrior Dash. And the Warrior Dash is uh, 3.2 miles and the obstacles are fairly tame. Uh, so if you've never done one, uh, it's, it's a reasonable one to get you started. You know, if you've maybe, you know, a lot, a lot of times, right. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, I've seen those. I've, you know, kind of thought about it, but you know, if you're in, in that, you know, like maybe you want to try one out, this is the one to do because, uh, it only gets worse from here. <laughs> yeah. So. Aaron, the host of the one meal, one workout podcast, uh, has done the tough mutter, which is apparently like a special forces level obstacle run. Yeah, that's, like that's 10 miles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, uh, what was it? I heard the Tough Mudder. They, they said it was 10 miles, or at least this last one. Uh, they said it was 10 miles. And then when you got to the 10th mile, they said two more miles to go. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So they throw a little psychological warfare in there. I loved it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's, I'm not, that's way out of my league at this point. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was fun. You know, you go, uh, you, you do this thing. There's, uh, the people that are out at these things are great. They're, you know, uh, they're somewhat, you know, into fitness and living healthy and, uh, they like to go out and just have a good time and get muddy. And, uh, so yeah, all in all, it was, it was a good time and I'm sore, but, uh, I expected to be and, uh, I'm going to be doing more of them. And I can thank Aaron because Aaron's really the, the primary corrupter there he you know when he, i heard him talking about it on his shows uh, that really kind of got me interested in it i don't know when you say running through mud is a good time i have to think the pod people have come there's just there's just no no way a human finds that enjoyable okay well let, let me uh let me try and put this one on you then uh there's about it was kind of surprising to me that it was probably about 40 percent women and uh they were all you know by virtue of just the fact that they want to do stuff like this they were in fairly good shape 
and they were wearing spandex a lot of them so <laughs> so that makes it an interesting spectator sport but not an activity to yeah. to engage in yeah you at least want to go out and watch one of these things because uh yeah that that was fun too there was there was a lot more fun to be had than just running <laughs> i wish you'd let me know i would have come and mocked you and laughed at you and eaten bacon while you ran past you know what i'll give you that opportunity i'll i'll be doing the next one i guess the uh i'll be doing the next tough mutter i'm not ready for those you know wild man ones but uh, i'll do the next one it should be in about six months see i'll be sitting on the sidelines with a with a frosty beverage and like a a, a pack of uh, a six pack of crispy creams right. and uh tempting you as you walk by sean it's not worth it come on come to the dark side have a seat look it's comfortable over here relax <laughs> Now, you know, I've been, I was really happy though. Uh, I had kind of plateaued. I'd, I'd lost some weight. I was, I maxed out at 247 and I had uh, managed to lose weight down to about 215. And uh, that was strictly on diet. And then uh, I couldn't get really past that. And I, I still wanted to lose a little bit more weight. And getting ready for this got me there. I've, I'm up underneath 210 now for the first time in probably 10 years. So oh, I'm feeling cool, real good right? about that. Well, one of our good friends, uh, both Sean's and mine, is uh, a marathon runner, and uh, he uh, he talks about uh, some of the things that people do, and, and that there there will be actually be people on the sidelines doing things like you know it's not worth it. Take a break, sit down. <laughs> you know, generally you have people that encouraging you, but then there are the the the, the smart alecks out there who are just saying it's not worth it. You're stupid. Go home. You can stop now. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's chasing you. Stop running. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we move on, uh, we have another question from uh, George Duncan, uh, known as G Duncan 229 in the chat room. And he posted uh, an email to us that uh, that goes right along with this uh, series that we're doing. And today's show answers his question. So I thought I would read his question. Um, he said, as far as walking into someone else's mess, how do you prioritize things, especially if there are numerous areas that are deficient or not up to par? Uh, I'm assuming that there are things the state forces you to do at the top of the list, but uh, but what about everything else? Are there rules of thumb as far as replacing equipment, how it's used, or, or the network, or things like that? And uh, this show is my answer to that question, and today's show is going to be all about uh, infrastructure. So I think that uh, infrastructure... Uh, and and it's not sexy, and it doesn't get a lot of attention, but I think it's the most important thing to build on before you do anything else. You can put a lab of, of super high, uh, uh, fancy computer, high-powered uh, machines, you know, the best Apple, iMac, whatever you've got out there, but if you have um, uh, 50K of bandwidth for a 1,000 machines, nobody's going to care. Your infrastructure right. is critical. You've got to get that up first, and then you get the real bang. So it's 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 just like building a house uh, or building a, a building. Though you'll see tractors and heavy machines out moving dirt around for seven months, and you think, what the heck is going on there? And and they're out there all, all day, every day. They're just digging holes and then filling holes back in. It doesn't look like they're doing anything. And then the next day, a building is there. Um, and that's the way infrastructure is. You've got to do all that dirty work that's invisible before the building can go up. So that's my answer to that question, and we're going to talk tonight about um, how to prioritize and how to build your infrastructure in a tightwad manner. Yeah, and this is the part, uh, Mark, I'm really interested in hearing too. I think a lot of other people are out there because even in my time uh, working with you, 
this is this is the higher level stuff that I never quite made it up to yet. So, uh, you know, I've always been interested in you know how all this goes together. And then I also know that you know you you're in a situation where you had the opportunity to really go in and uh, build your own environment. So. Uh, you know, let's just start at the top of the list. I mean, what uh, what do you put at the top of the list? Okay, so you you know, infrastructure is the biggie. Uh, where where do you start? Well, the the first thing you've got to look at um, is the uh, the boxes, the blinky light boxes. Uh, and I know a lot of people will look at uh, uh, bandwidth as the first place to go, your internet connection. Um, but I, I I don't think that's actually the right place to start because if you're if your network backbone isn't strong, then it doesn't matter what your bandwidth connection is. It's never going to get out to those desktops. So you got to take a look at what they've got now. How old and broken is it? Uh, do they have a bunch of, of just old hubs sitting out there? Are they not even on a switch network yet? Or are you building something from the ground up? There is nothing. That That's the, you know, the ideal scenario is you're, you're building a new, a new, uh, a new building, a new uh, infrastructure entirely. Uh, so you need a good quality managed switches. Now you don't have to pay a lot of money for managed switches. There are lots of things out there that are um, that are int- uh, considered entry level things. Um, I was I used to be a big fan of 3Com until HP bought them, and now I'm not so much a fan of them anymore. Uh, but you can you can ask around. Uh, you know, find your um, your rep who deals with uh, lots of things like like a CDW or a, a, a micro warehouse or some of those guys uh, that that deal with a number of ven- uh, different vendors and they generally don't care one way or the other as long as you're buying stuff from them have them you know put their guys together these people with national reaches uh, and have them come up with proposals for you and generally you have your your Super high end, like your HP Pro Curve uh, stuff that are that are really ultra managed, um, and 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 you may need that, but you probably don't. Probably what you really need is something that is, uh, you know, you can have that has an IP address. You want a switch that you can manage with a web interface, uh, and that is VLAN aware, and so that you can set up VLANs and you can do QoS if you need to. Uh, I, incidentally, I'm not a big fan of VLANs. Uh, in my network, we only have one, and that's for the phone system. Uh, and for because VoIP really performs best on its own VLAN. I'm not a big uh, fan of of segmenting everything and having a ton of different VLANs. I th- I think that if you have enough backbone bandwidth, you don't need to to segment everything. What happens with with people who run you know 15 different VLANs for every little thing? It's they do that because their bandwidth sucks, and that's a trick that they use to get around it. So I say uh, in this modern age, you want a 10 gig backbone between your switches and you want gig to the desktop so however that works out if it's a fiber optic module or uh you know different different manufacturers do things different ways but you want your switches to be communicating each other at at 10 gigabits and you want your desktops to be communicating with each other at gigabit that's that's what i consider the minimum and you know category six uh wiring in the wall if you can do it but th- those are the things you're going to do and sometimes you're just going to you know have to rip out a bunch of old copper and put new copper in and people aren't going to really get why you're spending the money why you're wasting all that time when they don't see any benefit of it but when the time comes and all that last puzzle piece falls into place everything will light up and it'll all just be wonderful and they'll think you're a genius so uh you want a, a, a good quality 
um, managed switch, but don't go overboard. Don't uh, spend all your money on management. Salesmen like to sell you management stuff. And they will tell you about all the reports you can get and how you can do everything from the press of a button, uh, you know, at your desk over a web browser. And that's all, that's fine, but you don't necessarily need it. Switches route traffic. That's largely all they need to do. So as long as you got a good capacity and as long as they do it, they're, they're really a toaster. You, you set them up and they do their thing from then on. You don't really have to mess with them. And these people who sell these packages that are all about managing switches and, 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 and wringing every last bit of control out of your network, in my opinion, are missing the point. The idea is, you know, you don't, you don't manage the interstate highway system. You build it big and you let cars go. You don't have toll booths everywhere managing everything that goes. You just make sure you build enough capacity. And when a road gets over populated, they add lanes. They don't put in a toll booth, generally speaking. <laughs> so the that's the the mentality you gotta have. You gotta just you gotta be think of having enough lanes and enough capacity. Uh Mark, I'm kinda curious. Uh you know, in an environment where they are running a bunch of VLANs, does that work its way down to where you like switch management? Do you have to actually configure switches differently to yeah, allow for that? Absolutely. And so each switch um, has to um, each port even when you, when you're running bunches of different VLANs, you not only have to configure each switch differently, you got to configure each port on each switch differently. Um. So, because I I think it, where I'm at now, I think I see some of that because it's really weird how I see switches them having problems with switches more often than I remember, you know, where you're at, and uh, but it doesn't. It's not you know when we had a switch go down, it was because it had lived its it had breathed its last breath, you know. Right. And uh, but I see them where the switch isn't dead. They're not replacing it, but the, they're having these huge problems. So it seems like even if you are running more of those VLANs, you just increase the probability of having problems then, right? Well, I think anytime a system gets more complex, it becomes uh, more likely to fail. You want to simplify things as much as possible. That That's my philosophy on that. Not everybody agrees with me. In fact, most people don't agree with me. Uh, most uh, technicians seem to think the more control you can have, the more uh, tentacles the octopus has, the better. I, I think you just keep it simple and make it do one thing and make it do one thing really well. Yeah, like you said, more of a more like a toaster than anything else. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, that's that's really... The, the the job of a, of a backbone of a, ne a network is to pass traffic. And when you start talking about VLANs and management, you're talking about stopping traffic. That's, that's by definition what a VLAN does. It stops certain traffic from flowing in other places. And I think that's stupid. That's, that's the same thing as having uh, internet security. You can have an internet or you can be secure. You can't have both. Uh, and so it's the same way with, with uh, networks. You can pass traffic or you can manage traffic. You can't do both effectively. So I say just have a great big pipe and let everything intermingle and let your switches be smart enough to figure that out instead of trying to be smart on your own. Okay, so uh, so anything else to touch on uh, when we talk about just switches and, and the copper, I guess? No, I, I think that's where you start, though. You start in the server room first. Um, and you are not, excuse me, in the switch room, uh, in the racks, you start there and, and just upgrading switches without upgrading any copper can buy you a, a big advantage, you know? Uh, so you start there, um, and then you, you get that capacity and, and, and a lot of times networks are, are, are choking on themselves 
Uh, and once you give them some breathing room, you add some capacity, even if it's just at the switch level, even if you haven't done anything at the desktop, you'll start to notice some of those those weird problems go away. Those those, you know, the file was there and now it's not and now it's there again. Those weird little things that you can't quite find a reason for are sometimes simply because your network is overloaded. So start with the boxes there. Move from there to the copper if you can, if you can replace that. And then from there, go to servers and look at your capacity. Now, uh, uh, even in this day and age, as things get more and more cloudified, people are, are moving things to the cloud and, and there is less need for servers. And, I, and I'm, I'm totally behind that. At, at some point, you're going to have to have some kind of storage medium, whatever that is. Even, um, you know, and if the, these people who are moving things to the cloud, they, they run into more problems with, with bandwidth, with connecting to the cloud. So the tightwad way of doing things is bring things in-house, manage things in-house, and then grow externally as you can afford to, as you have time to. Uh, because, you know, internet connectivity is some of the most expensive things you can buy. Uh, so you, you want to start in-house. It's, it's cheap to build a NAS with several terabytes of data on it. It's expensive to rent several terabytes of data on somebody else's server and connect to it over the internet. Yeah, yeah, just the connection alone is going to be outrageous. Right. So look at uh, look at your servers, see where they have, see if they have enough capacity, and then you know are they up to date? A, a lot of people uh, um, who you know are less um, active about doing things. And again, the question was posed is you're walking into somebody else's mess. So. You know, I'm going to assume it is a mess. And one of the biggest messes tends to be servers that are not updated. You know, you're running uh, a Windows NT or a server 2003 box that was set up back in 2004 and has never been updated. You know, you, you check the updates and it says 473,000 updates available. Um, and it's that, you know, uh, tech directors, uh, uh, network administrators tend to fall into that mindset of if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that sometimes is a good thing. Sometimes it is a good thing to wait and, and not do your updates immediately, but don't wait 10 years. So you can sometimes fix a lot of problems right there just by clicking and running the updates, uh, which is probably going to cripple your server. So it's one of those nights you're going to have to stay late, maybe all night to get that done. But once you're done, once you get everything, get your server up to play, uh, up to up to its maximum capacity, look and see if it's doing what it can do and can it be upgraded? Can you slap a couple of sticks of RAM and a bigger hard drive in and make everybody happy? Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes yeah. you've got a server that uh, is maxed out, but you can, you can um, give it a lot more breathing room for just a little bit of money. Yeah, and I know uh, I I remember you doing that, Mark. I mean, you uh, you just bought some RAM and some larger hard drives, and boom, it was like a brand new server. Right. Yeah, I had a situation where uh, we were doing a lot of things uh, on a of in virtual machines, and that machine um, had a had a lot of RAM in it, but it wasn't enough. So I spent a couple of thousand dollars, way less than it would cost to buy a whole new server, and put like 128 gigs of RAM in that thing, and boom, everything was just immediately better. Uh, so sometimes you can get a big bang for your buck uh, just by adding some capacity to your servers without having to, to add anything else. Uh, and, and so then, then once, you know, if you've, if you've done that and there's upgraded, there's upgraded as they can get, uh, then you're going to have to, to buy new servers. So uh, again, the, the order that I would go is network infrastructure, switches, that sort of stuff, then move to the server. So you're moving from the core out. 
not from the desktop back. You want to, you know, just like the central nervous system, you want to move from the spinal cord out. So uh, you, you check your servers and, and you bring them up to up to date. You upgrade them if you need to. You replace them if you have to. Uh, and, and you make now, sure. Go ahead, John. Mark, I know this kind of gets into the sort of gets into the next topic that we're going to discuss. But uh, I'm assuming before you even touch those servers, do you perform some sort of uh, safety backup? I mean, do you? Uh, a snapshot or something. I mean, what do you, what do you do? Cause I'm, I'm worried. Okay. So I come in and I've got this server room and it's running things, you know, they're kind of working. Uh, do, what do I do so that I don't, you know, basically step on my hose and, and now I'm really screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, again, that depends on the, uh, the equipment. Sometimes backing up a server can kill it. It, it just depends on how weak it is, how right. old it is. Right. I'm sorry, say that again. I said because it stresses it a lot, right? Right. right. So you've that's part of your triage process. You got to make that decision. And if you if you've got a machine like that that is that is that crippled, then you just have to start over. Um, but yeah, the next thing I was going to talk about is backups. You gotta you gotta have some sort of backup system in place. Once you get everything relatively stabilized, uh, make sure you can you can back it up. And and people often 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 skip this step. And they think, you know, and it's just like people who don't have insurance, you know, they think they can get by without it. And you probably can until the day you need it. So, uh, you know, the, the, for the 364 days of the year that your system works, you don't need a backup. The day it crashes, you do. So investigate uh, something. And again, that doesn't have to be expensive. You can, you know, you could go super cheap and use something like crash plan uh, and just divvy the, the, stuff up among desktop machines around the 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 network and and you could do it that way you know you could really go uh bare bones like that um you know uh you can as much as i hate them uh, you can buy tape drives on amazon cheap you know for pennies per per gigabyte uh you know buy something used and, and get something but you know i recommend a good quality hard drive based backup and the tool that we've talked about it on the show, uh, we probably need to get the developers on sometime. Uh, we make a note of that, Sean. Uh, Backup PC is is my favorite tool for backing up. It's a, it's a Linux based hard drive based system that is really high quality and costs nothing. So you can buy a box uh, for you know a, a few dollars. I mean, literally a couple of thousand dollars can buy you twelve terabytes. Of storage it's not going to be super fast it's not going to be uh, super high end but it'll work so get a backup system in place get your stuff backed up before you go anywhere else uh, and then you gotta you know you gotta make sure the next step there once you get a backup in-house is you got to make sure that you uh, try to move things off-site as well off-site backup is difficult uh, particularly if you're constrained in terms of bandwidth you know, and it, it's just difficult. Um, and what, you know, what you might need to do just to make sure you got some sort of offsite backup is offload things to USB portable hard drives and carry them home with you. You know, that's a cheap way to, to manage your core data. You got to make sure you have some sort of offsite backup. And I'm pointing at myself here because right now I don't have a decent offsite backup. You know, I've got yeah. Dropbox. <laughs> that's about it. About, uh, like, you know, trying to, 
set up some sort of uh, dedicated connection or something with, you know, like one of your nearby neighbors, right? Like if, you're, if you work for a school district, maybe a school district, the next school district over or something where, uh, you know, you can back up their data, they can back up yours. And then you've got, uh, you know, you've got some safety there. Right. Assuming you've got some bandwidth, that's a good way to do that. And, uh, and you can, uh, you can, you can do that. And that's something that I've talked about with, uh, with other, other schools as well. So, you know, again, th- those are the steps just to review, uh, servers, network bandwidth, go there first, then, or excuse me, your, your switches first, then your servers, then your backup system. And then from there, then you can look at internet access. You got to look at, uh, what, what is it? And, and there are a few questions that you have to ask. Is it equitable? Does, and, and this goes back to your an initial, uh, uh, backbone assessment. If you have, um, a rural or, or a separated district, even if it's not rural, it can be urban, uh, where, uh, this one satellite campus for whatever reason has a, a weaker connection to the rest of you, uh, the, to the, to the rest of the system, you know, you may have a huge, you know, gigabit pipe to the internet and they're, they're connected to your network over a 10 meg pipe. So, you know, they're getting all their stuff plus their internet there. So you got to figure out a way to make access equitable. And that may mean sometimes what I, you know, what I looked at doing at one point was uh, just buying like a, a cable internet access, you know, for, you know, hundred bucks a month, you know, from Comcast in that building. Uh, just to give them something. It's not ideal, it's not manageable, but at least it gives them something they can work with. So you've got to figure out a way to spread the internet access around. And then you've got to look at, is there enough capacity for the average load? The average is the thing that people often overlook. They will look at their peaks and they will say, you know, our peak load is, um, you know, X, so we're going to buy enough bandwidth for X. And then, but, but then you find out that your average load is 95% of your peak load. You know, and so you're running that thing at a full pipe all the time, and you got no opportunity to burst. Uh, so, what what I what I re- like to do um, is is you 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 don't want to on average exceed about sixty percent of your bandwidth use. So, if you've got to make the math easy, if you've got a hundred meg pipe to the internet, and you find that you're using seventy megs of it all the time on average. You don't have enough bandwidth because right. on those days when the president gives a speech and everybody wants to stream that speech to their classrooms, Sean, you and I have lived through that. Uh, suddenly your entire uh, uh, capacity to serve anything crashes because you, you can't meet the peak bandwidth. So you use your average bandwidth to measure your peak bandwidth. And, and uh, bandwidth can be very expensive and it can be hard to come by, but it's also in, in the modern age, I think it's the most critical thing that you can spend your money on. Uh, it's going to be the one that everybody notices. You know, they may not notice uh, whether or not you have a good backup, but they will notice that when they click on discovery.com, that flash page loads quickly. So you, you, uh, you got to make sure that you can... Uh, manage that and have enough capacity and then one way to handle that is by doing your bandwidth shaping and your filtering and you know you might want to cut out pandora uh and and things like that that are bandwidth hogs so that you can let the the other stuff through and you know we've t- talked about this uh at length on this show i'm not a big fan of overly aggressive content filters but you do need some sort of 
content filter. You need something to to make a good faith effort to keep the, the worst of the web out and also to help manage your load. And that's what we want to do. We always want to make sure we manage our load. <laughs> Thank you, Sean. Thank you for taking that to the creepy place. I knew I could count on you for that. <laughs> Had to jump in there. Wait, this isn't Thursday night. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I, you know, it's funny because uh, it's. I remember watching you sort of wrestle with that over the course of a few years, uh, and it finally seemed to get to a good place. Uh, but it was, it, it's. I, I think you've made the comment. You know, it's like a gas, right? It expands to exactly uh, to fill any whatever the available available volume is, and it does seem like you play that game for a while, right? Yeah, so you 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 triple your capacity and then fill it up. And then you tr you know double it and then you fill it up. And, and you 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 do find yeah that 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 however much you give people they will use it. And that's what it seems, but you will reach a point where you can give them more than they will use. There's you know there's just there's only so much YouTubing that you can do in the course of a day. And uh, and you can you know can you can manage that through QoS stuff. Uh but but I think that the real answer is whenever possible, uh, bring in extra bandwidth and aggregate connections. I mean, at my school right now, we have two different ISPs um, from two different companies coming from two different parts of the, the state aggregated at the firewall to give us the bandwidth we need because neither one of them could give me everything. So, you know, you know look at doing that. Uh, your like you know, I said your your local you know DSL or cable provider may not be able to give you much. Maybe they can only give you you know ten megs down and two megs up, and it's not very managed and it's shared. But you can aggregate that. You can add that to something else. You know, and and in Texas we have the the re the regional service centers that often are in the the ISP business, and they'll uh, they'll do things, and and maybe they don't may not be able to give you everything you need, but. You can aggregate that. You can add it all together. And it's not hard to find a firewall that can do that. In fact, you know, Untangle, we had their uh, somebody, CEO maybe, with somebody from Untangle on. And that's one of the things that it does in a, in a free package. It aggregates multiple. Well, I think that part costs money, but it's cheap. It aggregates multiple connections. Uh, and, and so you don't have to look for this big monolithic collection of bandwidth. You can, you can add together a bunch of small things. All right. Amen. Okay. So I think we've covered bandwidth, right? Anything else to, to cover there? No, I don't think so. I think you can't have too much of it. Uh, right. You, you just, you, you have to, you have to keep providing bandwidth and whatever you think you have today. Once you finally reach that point where you're not saturating it anymore, just wait a few weeks and there will be more. Well, and it seems like, uh, you know, that's one of the things that impacts the end user so, so heavily and they don't understand it and it seems like i've i've tried time and again to explain bandwidth i usually try to make uh you know make some comparison to the plumbing world you know right. you have this pipe of water coming into your house and that has to spread out to go throughout the house and you know still there's only that so much that's coming in that main line so you know that everybody's has to share you know and i try to explain it that way and people you know still kind of give me that blank stare um, but you know, if, if the bandwidth isn't there, if you're not giving them the bandwidth to the desktop that they need, uh, then these computers suck 
everything that plugs into a wall here sucks. Right. It's, you know, it's just that's the the mindset they take, you know, and you can explain to them until you're blue in the face that it's not the computers or any, you know, whatever else. Uh, they don't care. Right. So so going in order of importance, um, your 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 backbone, your switch capacity, your storage and server capacity, um, your Internet capacity. And then finally, finally, we get to the desktops, the actual machines in the classrooms are, in my opinion, the lowest of importance, because unless they're more than a decade old, every desktop in your network is probably more powerful than it needs to be. You know, with a few exceptions, if you have an AutoCAD class or or a class doing uh, uh, video editing or something like that, most of all we do is uh, document creation, web browsing, really simple stuff. So your desktops are out there are probably more powerful than they actually need to be that you're probably not using their capacity as they are. So don't make that. A lot of guys, when they're first new on the job, the first thing they want to do is strip out the old computers and put new ones in. And and that makes you popular until people realize that the new computer uh, is just faster at waiting for pages to load. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I and I've I've seen that, and you're right. Uh, and we can go back to. I mean, a lot of that is perception. We can go back to where we did the uh, case swap on people. Uh, so much of that is just perception, but uh, really, it, it comes down to, uh, like you said before, you know, the pipe. What, what, what are you feeding that computer that really right, matters? Right. Yeah, it's been a while since we told that story, and it's a good story. So I'll I'll mention it again. We had uh, some old computers that were uh, five, six, seven years old. I mean, they were they were old, legitimately, um, particularly down in our elementary uh, area. And the teachers were literally uh, taking them out of their classrooms and setting them in the hallway for the janitors to come pick up. They they just they they hated them. And you talk to them, and they you know their words are they're always the the superlatives. They never work. They're always broken. Nothing ever works. Um, and they and they just didn't like them. So we gathered all those up. What was it, Sean? Maybe thirty or forty of them. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. We gathered all those up. I went on online to I think it was Newegg.com and bought a bunch of uh, twenty dollar shiny new black cases. And so let's say it was 40 and they were 40, uh, uh, $20 each for, so for, you know, uh, uh, $800, not much money at all, less than the cost of a computer. I bought a whole bunch of cases. We took the guts out of the old ones. We did nothing else, nothing else. We took the guts out of the old computers, put them in the new shiny cases, put them back in the classrooms, and they love them. They're so much faster. They're so much better. These computers are awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for getting us these new computers. Yeah, that was a great social experiment. And I love the fact that I got to be the one because I was like a hero. Uh, you know, because I'd be coming in, I'd be walking in with a, a a cart full of these things and the teachers are just looking and, wow, I can't, you know, I can't wait till I get mine. And they'd go in the classroom and they just raved about them. And yeah, I was the the hero descending out of the clouds that was delivering these things. And uh, uh, it was it's such a neat social experience, experiment to, to just watch it happen. And uh uh, sure enough, yeah. I mean, we did nothing. We literally just pulled the guts out of one case and put it in another, and turned around and put it right back in the classroom. And uh, so that tells you quite a bit about how much 
uh, those types of things, those perceptions uh, really can work for or against you. Yeah, you know, so, so that leads right into my next point that I had in the notes. Look for a quick win. What can you do with minimal effort and little minimal expenditure that will give you a quick win? Uh, can you buy a stick of RAM for every computer in your network for you know twenty bucks each? Spend an afternoon putting them out there and double the the RAM ca- uh, capacity of all your machines and get a quick win. We did that on some of our labs, and you know once again rave reviews. And it cost us uh, again about a thousand dollars to do a hundred computers, and we just bought uh, you know a a two gig stick I think for uh, ten or twenty dollars each. Stuck it in there, and immediately everything got faster. Everything got better. Quick win, right? And you know, I think that's a very important point to make, Mark. Because again, when you get back to people's perceptions, uh, you know, somebody knows that there's a new guy in town, you know, kind of running things, and uh, the very, you know, it's just like making that first impression. You know, whatever the first thing is that they perceive has to do with you uh that's going to pave the way you know of your future uh in in you know working with these people and supporting them and it's so much easier to support people who have faith in you so if you can get that big win right off the bat uh they're going to have more of a tendency to like you from that point forward uh, you got to really kind of try to mess up to to get them but if you can get them hooked up front then great uh if you step on their toes up front uh, and things get worse, uh, you know, or you lose their pictures of their grandkids or something, uh, <laughs> you know, cause they're going to blame you. Right. Uh, right. Then, uh, then you will always be the evil Darth Vader up there pushing buttons. So yeah, I love that point, Mark. Yeah. So I, I've given you two quick things right there. Uh, a Ram upgrade is cheap and a case upgrade. I, you, you, you may not be, believe me. You may be listening to this thinking he made that up, but I'm, I'm telling you, uh, that's exactly what happened. We, we became heroes for the cost of a cheap case and, and a few hours spent moving components from one to the other. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I would love to hear somebody else saying, you know what? I, I heard you guys talk about it. We did it. And I'd love to hear somebody else's story about doing that. Uh, just to see if that's something that scientifically can be replicated. Because I think I'm pretty sure it probably can. Yeah. I mean, if you've got something out there that's beige, make it black and it's immediately better. If you've yeah. got something that's black, make it white and it's immediately better. Yeah. And maybe if it can have a cool, a couple of buttons that, you know, have some cool lights on it or something, you know, anything. Yeah. Cool. Quote unquote cool. You're you're probably going to be a, a winner, right? Uh, and then the next thing uh, along that is is uh, you know look for a quick win, but also look for things that impact the whole system. So that's why I was talking about the uh, uh, the the network infrastructure that you know uh, swapping out a bank of switches can make everything better. You know, at your core location can make everything better. And again, that's that goes to the winning the PR battle. You know, like Sean was talking about uh, uh, winning people over. If you can do that quickly, if you can if you can show them quickly that you're here to make a positive difference in their lives, they will respond to that. So look for things that makes everything better and avoid pet projects, especially if you're the new guy. Um, you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? You got the the this one person down here that's complaining the loudest, and you think, all right, I, I'll go ahead and and do that. Um, and it's easy to to fall into a rut of of helping the same loud people 
over and over and ignoring the others and you don't realize you're doing it. So you have these pet projects and you're not helping um, the, uh, the, um, the overall system. Remember, you don't work for uh, any one person. You work for the whole system. And it's important to keep that mindset. And it's important to some, sometimes you got to piss one person off to make 90 people happy. And you got to be willing to do that. Right. Yeah. Usually that one loudmouth, if they're really that, you know, boisterous loudmouth, everybody else knows they are anyways. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, if that if that's the person that's, you know, bad mouthing you and talking about, you know, this this guy didn't do anything for me or something like that, you know, nobody's listening to that person. Yeah, and that's one of the things I talked about in the first installment of this series was find out who who's really in charge, find out what the real power structure is regardless of what the org chart says. Um and and you, and that can help you guide things, but uh so those are those are my my uh, quick things. Look for a quick win and consider the infrastructure as a system. Consider the the whole network as an organism. You want to make things better from from the inside out. You know, you fix the heart valve before you fix the broken nose. You know, you, something that's that's cosmetic can wait. Something that's uh, life sustaining can't. So you got, you got to look at the whole system, and that's, again, what I talked about in, in the first series is you don't do anything for a while. You just sit back and watch. So once you've done that, once you've sat back and watched and you've, you've examined the entire organism and you found what uh, is ailing and what's still pretty strong, then you go in and you start making changes that will benefit the, the entire system. <laughs> Earl Wallace in the chat room says, sweet talk HR first. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, that's not a bad place to start. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, it, it, yeah, if you're uh, in a school district, anybody uh, close up to the superintendent yeah. or whoever can, especially those people who make decisions about your budget. Yes, and and ideally, you want to be the person making the decision about the budget, but you can't always be that person. Right. Right. And so I think that that's pretty much all I had uh, in my notes in terms of infrastructure. Uh, you know, any any questions out there that I didn't didn't hit? Oh, you know what, Mark? I just thought of one, uh, and I, I'm sure this falls somewhere in line there. So maybe you can put it in the right place for me. Uh, wireless? Did you, how? Where does your wireless network fall in with all of that? I mean, I know that's going to vary from you know uh, environment to environment, but right. uh, just for you, where where would that fall? Uh, well, you know, I've made no uh, um, secret of the fact that I don't like laptops and I want to do things with desktops and, and uh, labs as much as possible. Uh, but again, that depends on your environment. That's infrastructure. So um, if you uh, if your your district or your network or your business is um, um, heavily invested in wireless devices, then that's got to be right up there with your switch level stuff you 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 upgrade your switches then you upgrade your wireless because it doesn't matter how good your switch is if they can't get to it uh, right. so you might be yeah you know you might want to look at something um uh, in that situation i'm a big fan of those centralized systems like uh, uh maru networks or sirius uh, instead of just uh access points strewn all over the place that act on their own get a centralized mesh system that can dynamically adapt and those systems are really good at that they they communicate with each other and with when this hallway down here isn't being used they can uh, they can divert bandwidth to this hallway that is so uh you know in terms of of wireless if you're invested in that that's the way to go but 
you know, I, I think that copper is always going to be the better investment. Okay. Yeah. I just figured it, it fell somewhere in there and uh, I actually didn't anticipate it being that high, but I guess it makes sense. If, uh, you know, like you said, if you, if half of your devices are, are laptops, then that's going to be pretty high up on your priority list. Exactly. All right. So are we uh, ready for tips of the week then? And, we, and we you, are. you have a good one in here. I have a good one because you sent it to me. So, okay. uh, yeah. I, I knew that I had seen this about maybe a week or two ago, and I thought maybe I had posted it somewhere or something. I could, didn't really recall actually sending it to you, but this is pretty cool. Yeah, there, uh, there were actually, uh, I saw this in two or three places all last week. So okay. I, I don't think it's new, but I think it just sort of resurfaced uh, last week or, or a couple weeks ago. And Sean sent it to me as well. It's called Poodle, P O O D ll.com uh, and poodle is a uh, a series of um, plugins and add-ons to moodle you know we're we're big fans of moodle here uh, and it adds audio and video recording into uh, your moodle so anywhere uh, in a forum post or in in uh, anywhere there's an HTML block uh, in moodle you can um, add you can record video and audio and you can play that back. So it allows people the option of not just uh, typing responses, but recording their video responses or audio responses. Great for uh, like a language lab for, uh, you know, uh, English as a second language. I don't think that's what they call that anymore. They call it something else, but uh, uh, English language learners, maybe anyway. Um, yeah, 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 or dual language learners or something like yeah. that. Yeah. They 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 have to change the words every few years to make sure we all are up on it. But uh, uh, one of my favorite things about it is their their demo, uh, their slideshow telling what it is is a slide rocket slide, and we're big fans of slide rockets. So that that earned them street cred for me uh, right there. But check it out, p o o d l l dot com. It it's not a thing on its own. It's something that plugs into Moodle. All right. Very cool. Well, uh, uh, mine is, I, I kind of phoned it in this week. This one is not, you know, one of my greatest teacher tips of the week, but I still thought it was pretty cool because I do see this like every year in the elementary school, they have to cover the butterfly life cycle. So, <laughs> so this is a site that's dedicated to that. It's the butterflysite.com. And, uh, the, the link that I actually have is the butterflysite.com slash life hyphen cycle dot shtml. Uh, so it's the actual portion of the site that is dedicated to just the butterfly life cycle, but it's got a lot of neat pictures and, uh, it explains that whole life cycle. And then you go a little bit further down and it's got some actual videos and things like that. So, uh, if you're a teacher out there, uh, I don't even remember exactly. I'm going to have to ask some of my teachers what grade level this is. I'm thinking probably around third, maybe. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, definitely toward the, the earlier end of, of elementary. Right. So this is just a really, it's a great simple site that, uh, you know, uh, kids around that age can go. They get all of that information in one, one little place. They get a lot of uh, neat little pictures and a couple of little videos uh, that explain it. So, uh, if you would like, you can check that out at thebutterflysite.com. All right. And uh, keep the listener feedback coming on this series. Hey, if you have a question, if you want to, you tell me where we want to go next. Um, and, and we'll go there. Uh, the infrastructure was the next thing. Uh, um, you know, we're, they're, they're, we're not done yet. There definitely needs to be uh, at least a third in the series because I don't think we're done. But uh, uh, keep your questions coming. And the place to do that 
Visit elementop.com. Uh, post your question in the forums or use the contact us button and send us an email at the top of the page. Or if you want to uh, leave us a voicemail that we will play on the show, uh, you can do that. Click the, the uh, put your uh, name optional and phone number in the box there and Google Voice will call you uh, and you can leave us a voicemail and we'll play it on the show. So elementop.com is your home for all sorts of tightwad goodness. So check us out there. Yeah, don't forget to go there and uh, put in your vote for the uh, bacon madness. Yeah, Sean's really pimping this whole bacon bracket thing. He's I, he's big into that. You know, it's funny. I just uh, it's been within the last week, and one of our uh, longtime listeners, Bjorn, uh, pointed out. I think he pointed out to both of us, but that uh, bacon was the. It's been like in the top three trending topics on Google Plus for like forever. Yeah. It, and it'll it'll pop up to number one, and then something like Dick Clark will die, and so Dick Clark will be the number one, and Bacon gets pushed down to maybe two or three. But it's just constantly, it just lives up there. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So, uh, one, I used that as a way to promote our Bacon Bracket. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> if this is trending. I'm going to put that hashtag in there and see. And sure enough, I got like an immediate, like, you know, 50 uh, people hopped over to our site to check out the bracket. Geeks so, love Bacon. That's just all there is to it. Yeah, yeah, so it was great. So, uh, yeah, it's funny. The more we do this and we joke about it, but it seems like the more we dive into it, the more we see that everybody loves bacon. Everybody loves bacon. Bacon is the the common and bacon will bring peace and harmony to the planet. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this was another great show, Mark. Well, thank you, Sean. I think it was too. And having had the blessing of Pope Sean. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing left to say, but this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>